today's episode is from a sermon that I preached in November of 2019 entitled, The Blessing is in the Obedience. It was part of a series on the life of David. I hope you enjoy. So I have a, a little disclaimer before I share this, this story. Um, it has roots to my Texas upbringing and my Texas history, but in no way am I a Dallas Cowboys fan. Um, I'm actually a Chicago Bears fan, and if you are an Eagles fan, thank you for destroying us last week. <laughs> I don't really pay attention to sports, but I saw that the Bears got beat by the Eagles, so congratulations if you're an Eagles fan. Um, but in 1971, Roger Selbeck was the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. Tom Landry was their coach. And Staubach had this, this trouble. Even though they won the Super Bowl in 1971, Staubach had this just struggle within himself because he was a quarterback that did not run his own plays. He did not coordinate his team, and he considered Tom Landry to be a football genius when it came to strategy for the game. But it really bugged him that he didn't call his own plays. Coach Landry sent in when to run, when to pass, and really only in these emergency situations could Staubach change the play on the fly. Um, and so he, he had this decision to make. Would he allow pride to rule his life and do what he wanted to make himself the star of the game? Or would he humble himself and be obedient to his coach and follow his coach's lead. And so this is what he says. He says, I faced up to the issue of obedience. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. You see, Staubach was a star quarterback. He was fully qualified, capable, and able to, to run plays and They may have won the Super Bowl. They may not have. Nobody knows. But he humbled himself and was willing to be coached. He was willing to obey Coach Landry, even though he was fully capable of doing it himself. And so Staubach's obedience to Coach Landry is a perfect metaphor for David and for us. Will we try to do it in our own strength, or will we be obedient and trust God. And so everything that is part of our main story today in 1 Samuel 26 is really a building up through 1 Samuel to get there. And so we're going to do a little bit of history walking through 1 Samuel. But today is a little bit participatory, okay? So every time you hear me say, David was obedient, I want you to say, the blessing is in the obedience. You got it? Let's try. David was obedient. Excellent. One more time, just for practice. David was obedient. Excellent. Okay, so 1 Samuel 17. You don't have to turn there. We're going to walk through this. So 1 Samuel chapter 11, Saul becomes the first king of Israel, and he's around the age of 30 when he becomes the first king of Israel. Fast forward a little bit to chapter 15, 
And Saul is actually, at this point, rejected by God as the king of Israel. Why is that? It's because Saul became disobedient to God's leading, and he started to make these sinful decisions in his life and as a leader. And so then we get to Samuel 16. And in Samuel 16, the prophet Samuel goes to the house of David, or the house of Jesse, and starts going through the sons of Jesse, and is like, no, 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 no. Jesse, who else do you have? I know you've got to have another son because God told me to come here. So he's going through the sons, and Jesse's like, well, my youngest boy is out in the field tending the sheep. It's like, okay, we'll wait. So David comes in from the field, and at this point, David is between the ages of 10 and 15, but Samuel says, this is the one, because God said, this is the one. So Samuel says, this is the one. He anoints David, but then what happens? David gets anointed to be the next king. You're the next king, David. And David goes back to the field to serve the sheep. That doesn't make sense. It's this paradox that like, you're the next king, but you still have to go be obedient to your father and go back out to the field and serve the sheep. And so in this time, something was happening while David was in the fields. In the field, David was learning he was learning how to lead. He was learning how to fight enemies like lions and bears. And he was learning how to be obedient and be attentive and to serve. David was obedient. Excellent. So from that, we can see that God may give you a calling. He may give you a vision for something in your life. He may give you a burden for something, but it may be a little bit of time between when God gives that to you and when you actually see it come to fruition. But be obedient while you wait. See, a few years ago, um, in 2017, the beginning of 2017, middle of 2017, um, the Lord started to lay on my heart to get back into ministry. We had helped plant a ministry. We had ran a business as part of our bivocational ministry. And through a series of decisions and events, we ended up stepping away from ministry. We closed our gym. We actually moved to a new city. And during that time, I was away from ministry. But in the beginning or middle of 2017, the Lord started laying that on my heart. Hey, it's time to, to get back into ministry. And so my thinking was, okay, I'm going to send in some resumes and, and applications, and God told me this is, like, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I was waiting for something to happen, and nothing. Send in another one, nothing. Send in another one, and another one, and another one, and another one, and nothing. Nothing. Rejection. No movement of the needle. And so I'm like, God, is this really what you told me to do? Up until here, for two years, I had to be obedient while I waited for God to bring to fruition what he laid on my heart in 2017 to come to fruition when we moved here. In that time of being obedient while I waited, I had to work a job that I didn't love, much less like. It was, it was difficult. I had to work on our house and learn new skills on how to update our house and 
ultimately, that was helping me to be able to sell it quickly when we moved here. I had to keep training and learning and growing personally, but also, also through my schooling. And finally, in the new city that we were in, I had to serve my local church as a volunteer. Not on staff, not, not being paid, just as a volunteer, because that's what makes the church run, is volunteers. And so I just had to be obedient in that time of waiting for God to bring that fruition, bring that to fruition. What does obedience look like for you while you wait for God to bring that to fruition? Something that he's laid on your heart, a vision or a burden that he's given you. As we move forward into Samuel 17, this is where last week Pastor Matt shared about David overcoming Goliath. Why was David able to overcome Goliath? It's because he was obedient in the field of waiting. David fought lions, and he fought bears to protect the sheep, and this is what ultimately prepared him to defeat Goliath. That's why he was able to overcome him. The living in obedience prepares you for giants you will face later in life. David was obedient. One more time. David was obedient. There we go. All right. So let's go forward just a little bit more to chapter 19. So David starts to get this praise and it's like, people are liking him. And Saul, he's already rejected as king. He starts to go crazy. He starts to get jealous. And listen to this point. Saul's hatred for David was more intense than his love for God. And that is never a good place to be in. Have you ever found yourself in a position like that? Where your hatred for something or someone is more intense than your love for God? I've been there. It's not a good place to be in. So then, this chase starts. And Saul is coming after David because Saul is going cuckoo. (laughs) And so he's chasing after David. And the Bible says that he had chosen men. It wasn't just a a group of people like, come on guys, we're going to get our torches and pitchforks and go after David. No, Saul was going after David with elite soldiers, like our special forces, the creme de la creme. And he actually tried to kill David a total of around 12 times. Can you imagine that? Somebody that's in his teens, maybe early 20s, being chased, and somebody is hunting you down with special forces soldiers trying to kill you. But David kept on. And so now we're getting this idea of what's been happening and where it's leading us into our main story today. So let's look at Samuel 24. So Saul goes into this cave to relieve himself. And unbeknownst to him, David... And his men are actually like hiding out in the back of the cave, just being really quiet. And what we hear, listen to this, on some previous occasion, God actually promised to David, we see in verse four, it says, I will give your enemy into your hands for you to deal with as you wish. David's men that were with him believed this was the fulfillment of that promise and that David needed to seize that promise both by faith and 
by the sword. And so they're encouraging David, go up, kill him. He's right there. He doesn't know you're here. In that promise, we, let, we see that God let David choose what he wanted to do. It's like, here's this scenario. David, do what you want. How would you do it? And in that moment, David chose obedience to God and mercy to Saul. David has this chance to kill Saul, and he doesn't. But what he does is he sneaks up in the darkness and he cuts the corner off of Saul's robe. And there's some significance to that action. One, that shows us David was close enough to Saul to kill him. Two, if we look back at chapter 15, when Samuel comes to reject Saul as king, as Samuel is walking away, Saul reaches and he grabs uh, Samuel's robe, and he actually tears it. And it's Saul trying to keep God's blessing. He's trying to keep the kingdom by force. But we see David's reaction after he cut that robe. He's filled with this remorse. And he says, I can't do this. I don't want to take it by force. I don't want to take this. And so he actually runs out of the cave, and he pleads to Saul as a son to a father. And he says, Saul, please forgive me. Please forgive me. See, I was this close to you. But I spared your life. And David actually said this vow to himself and to his men before running out there. He said, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. You see, David like Staubach, was willing to sacrifice his own pride and his own selfish desires in order to be obedient to God. And David was making this vow with the understanding that God had already rejected Saul as king. The anointing from God had already been rejected and removed from Saul's life as king. And so David was doing this action out of his obedience to God. Because David was obedient. Excellent. So Saul goes home for a little bit. And he gets stirred up again. These people come and they're like, hey Saul, go get David. Hey Saul, go get David. So now we're caught up to today's story. So let's turn to 1 Samuel 26. And we are going to start at verse 7. So David and Abishai went to the army by night, and there was Saul lying asleep inside the camp with his spear stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying around him. Abishai said to David, Today God has delivered your enemy into your hands. Now let me pin him to the ground with one thrust of my spear. I won't strike him twice. This is interesting that he's trying to say this even though he was with David when he made that vow earlier. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. Who can lay a hand on the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? As surely as the Lord lives, he said, the Lord himself will strike him. Either his time will come and he will die, or he will go into battle and perish. But the Lord forbid that I should lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. Now get the spear and the water jug that are near his head and let's go. 
So David took the spear and water jug near Saul's head, and they left. No one saw or knew about it, nor did anyone wake up. They were all sleeping because the Lord had put them into a deep sleep. Then David crossed over to the other side and stood on the top of the hill some distance away. There was a wide space between them, and he called out to the army and to Abner, son of Ner, Aren't you going to answer me, Abner? Abner replied, Who are you that calls to the king? So let's fast forward just a little bit to verse 21. Then Saul said, I have sinned. Come back, David, my son. So we see that repetition of that intimacy between David and Saul, that that relationship that's been wrecked. Because you considered my life precious today, I will not try to harm you again. Surely I have acted like a fool and have erred greatly. Here is the king's spear, David answered. Let one of your young men come over and get it. The Lord rewards every man for his righteousness and faithfulness. The Lord delivered you into my hands today, but I would not lay a hand on the Lord's anointed. As surely as I valued your life today, so may the Lord value my life and deliver me from all trouble. Then Saul said to David, May you be blessed, my son David. You will do great things and surely triumph. Even Saul in his crazed state saw David's obedience and spoke these words of blessing over him. You see, David wasn't concerned about what authority he could take, even though he was anointed to be the next king. He was willing to be obedient to God. And in his obedience, he showed Saul mercy. Because during this time, David was more concerned about his followership than his leadership abilities, because he knew that there's a corruption that takes place in us when we try to take something by force. David understood that it's not just about what you can get, but that the blessing is in the obedience. Say that with me. The blessing is in the obedience. See, pride told Roger Staubach, call your own place. Be in charge of your own team. But because of his obedience to his coach, they won the Super Bowl. Could they have won the Super Bowl if he called his own plays? Maybe. Something we'll never know. But listen to what he said. Once I learned to obey, there was harmony, fulfillment, and victory. David understood that many, many moons before that. And he had built, as we saw coming through the book of 1 Samuel, he built a habit of obedience to God. And that's what brought harmony in his own life, fulfillment, and ultimately the victory in his life as king. See, the word obedience comes from the Latin word ob audire, which means to listen or to pay attention. See, when we listen and when we pay attention to God, we're driven to live a life of obedience. 
And we see David was disobedient when he stopped listening and stopped paying attention to God. But this is why he's referred to as a man after God's own heart. He listened and he was attentive to what God wanted. This is why he was able to face giants when he needed to because he was obedient in the field of waiting. He was able to show Saul mercy because he was attentive to God's own mercy in his own life. He was able to lead, to serve, and to fight when he needed to because he listened and was attentive to God. See, last week, Pastor Matt shared with us about living stones and how they have their rough edges smoothed out by living water. You and I are living stones. We're not just stones that sit there. By being living stones, we have a choice and we have the opportunity to say, I will stay in the water or I'm going to get out of the water. Obedience is choosing to stay in the living water and allowing the Holy Spirit to rough out, smooth out those rough edges. You see, I'm in, I'm in no way perfect, but over the course of the years, the Holy Spirit has smoothed out some rough edges. As a young man, I had a very, very bad temper. My sister, who traveled all the way up here from Texas, she can attest to that. But I had a bad temper as a young man. The things that I watched and the conversations that I engaged in have changed over the years. Pride is being smoothed out. My father-in-law always shares this quote from the AA Big Book that says, selfishness and self-centeredness are the root of all our problems. You see, those things try to rear their head in my life sometimes. And it's a regular process of allowing the Holy Spirit to smooth those out because it doesn't happen overnight. Pastor Janet recently shared this quote with me from Eugene Peterson. Discipleship is a long obedience in the same direction. See, David built a habit of obedience and that's why he was able to show mercy to Saul. And that's why he ultimately had a great reign as king. And it wasn't without his hardships. Being obedient doesn't mean that we're not going to have hardships. And some of those hardships were from David's own making. But all in all, we can look at David's life. And David was obedient. It's excellent. You see, discipleship is a process because obedience is a practice. As Christ followers, it's not enough for us to just come to church and check it off our list as something that we've done. James 1.22 tells us, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. It's not just enough to, to listen and be attentive to the word. We actually have to do what it says. We have to practice obedience over and over. In Romans 8, 5, Paul says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. And he 
He reiterates this in his letter to the Galatians, and he says, the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Obedience is choosing to follow the things of the Spirit. Will you choose love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, mercy, forgiveness? Will you be obedient to make time for the Lord each day? See, obedience isn't about what we can get from God, but it's about who we become in the process of being obedient because God is all about transformation. And the Bible tells us that transformation is into the likeness of Christ. Obedience helps us in that transformation process. Finally, there's a link between our love for God and our obedience. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commands or you will obey my commands. True obedience to God is not done out of obligation, but out of love. Our love for God should cause us to be attentive, to listen, and to do our greatest act of love for God is our obedience.